Welcome to Shanghai Zhan, a raw and lively regular debate about China tech, advertising, creativity, platforms, and the intersection of it all. Join us each session for timely and relevant discussions on all things China marketing. We'll be joined by an entire spectrum of China experts, and you can learn more about Shanghai Zhan at our website, Zhanstation. Com. I'm Bryce Witwam, and I'm Ali Kasmi. If you like the show, share it with your friends, or better yet, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And also, Ali, we'd like to thank Campaign Asia for their continued support of the podcast. Our guests today are returning from Con Lions International Festival of Creativity. Ali, have you ever been to Con? I have never been to Con. I'd love to go to Con. I've never had the opportunity to. Um, I know a number of my peers that have, and it typically tends to be the same person or <laughs> the same set of people every year. Oh, I, I was just going to comment on 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 the、uh, on the on the bronze tans that、um, that most of the people that do go to cans come back with.、Um, so it seems like a great place for skin and、uh, and and surf. I have not been either, but that's okay because today we're going to talk about con lines.、Uh, of course,、uh, for those who don't know. Con Lines is an event held in Con France, or Can, as Americans call it. It's one of the most prestigious and widely recognized international creative communications and advertising awards, and draws thousands of participants, both from the agency side,、uh, as we'll talk, and as well as the platform side、uh, from all around the world.、Uh, so, to discuss Con, we have two recent、uh, returnees. First, we have Robert Zawatsky. He is the Asia editorial director at Haymarket Media, which of course is Campaign Asia Pacific, is one of his responsibilities. He resides in Singapore. He's a former disc golfer and a Winnipeg Jets enthusiast. You are the first Winnipeg Jets fan we've had on the podcast, Robert. By the way, what's a disc golfer? Robert, it's frisbee golf is another word for it. Although the frisbees are smaller, but you essentially. Throw a disc into a basket, but you have a course mapped out like a golf course, and it takes how many? You know, each each hole has a par, and you throw your disc. You typically about three four times before you get it in the basket. So it's just way cheaper than regular golf because all the courses tend to be free and in public parks. So it's kind of a much better alternative for those who don't have money. Yeah, there's one in my parents' backyard in the park、uh, near my parents' home. Robert brings a unique perspective to our conversation today. His work has been showcased across various platforms, from CNN to Campaign UK, highlighting his significant influence in the media landscape. Joining Robert, we have Roger Bicker, originally from the Netherlands. Roger moved to China at the young age of 21 and has made his mark on the digital sector in China over the past 15 years. Known for pushing creative boundaries and winning medals at Campaign Agency of the Year shows, he sold his agency Tomorrow, which he founded, to Sir Martin Sorrell's S4 Capital, and has been placed under the Media Monks umbrella and is now the managing director of Greater China at Media Monks. Roger, Robert, welcome to Shanghai Zan. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Let's just start with Robert. For listeners that are new to the space, and what is you think is the significance of award shows like Con Lions to the industry? And in your experience, has rec- the recognition from the award shows like Con Lions translated to any kind of tangible benefits for advertisers and agencies in terms of increased sales, market share, and brand awareness? Maybe Roger, you can answer the second question. 
Robert, you can ask the first one. How significant is the award shows? Well, you know, I think it's significant. I think I'll answer both. I mean, I think it's less about tangible benefits in terms of sales and, and market share, unless you're winning a creative effectiveness award. I mean, that said, every, every juror I spoke to this year said there was more scrutiny around transparency and effectiveness. And not everyone was a fan of that. Some want just pure subjective creativity. But generally, you're not I don't think you're entering lions if you're trying to move, you know, 5% more soya sauce or something like that. It's, it's, you know, this is supposed to be kind of work that, you know, pushes boundaries and kind of, you know, uh, breaks, you know, breaks models and that kind of thing. You know, I, I'd say that there's some brand awareness in winning can lions, but for a, an agency or a C, CMO, I think it's about bragging rights and validation. I think for, for agencies, it puts them in that world-renowned work sphere and that's an important business card to have and for cmos it justifies their their spend on a lot of of their marketing and then i also think like many of the top winners tend to be purpose-driven and quite often companies don't get a lot of external recognition for for those investments so for you know for some of those brands that kind of also underscores that if they can win uh with with those campaigns great and roger was this your first time to con lines yeah, it was. It was. Have you been before? No, I, I, I have not been. So I, I have this, I have this love-hate relationship with award shows in general and and Cannes in 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 particular. Um, and maybe that's just because I've never won and I've never been. So that's why I hated the shit out of them. But now that I've been, it's amazing. I don't know how direct and vulgar I can be, but it's one big circle jerk, to be honest. But it's an amazing place, and I do think it has value. If that's your question, I think it is a way to rally teams uh, on both the brand and the agency side. If you look at the amount of submissions, right, it's it's all close to 27,000 works submitted uh, this year. And, you know, only 34 win a Grand Prix. That's 0.1% chance. So for anyone that is remotely competitive in its industry and wants to have recognition of being among the best, I mean... There you've got your your race to the top, and I think that is something to rally teams behind. For all the lack of, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, how 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 the juries are, you know, awarding the wrong things or being very purpose-led or a lot of greenwashing, purpose washing, and so on. But if you put all of that aside, it's it is definitely has a lot of value for that rallying of teams. I think that's the key point for me. And Roger, can you tell us, besides Lizzo or the Foo Fighters, uh, what was your favorite highlight of the of the festival, you think? Can you th- think of a couple things you really enjoyed? And then on the other side, what was what you thought was a major disappointment? <laughs> right. I mean, I, I didn't get to see the Foo Fighters and, and, and a lot of the other artists walking around. Um, I wasn't important enough to get the right wristbands. I did get a wristband to the Media Monks party, obviously, um, which is by far the best party. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> every Wednesday, every always on a Wednesday. Uh, so I've been told. Um, no, that was good. No, I think the the um, the highlight for me. I mean, for I mean, it's 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 first and foremost. This was my first time in three and a half years back in Europe after the all the COVID madness so it was also a way for me to reconnect with um, not only media monks global peers but also industry friends and i think that's actually the case for a lot of people going there sure the festival is great but it's also just the people um, that you get to meet and the easy accessibility of having everyone in one place 
it would have taken me weeks to travel around the world to meet all those people. I think that that is actually something that that, that stands out. But obviously, the the representation of China at the festival was was minimal to to, to choose a nice word, and I think that's. That is a big uh, issue. We did organize a, a Young Lions party together with Modern Advertising and the China Advertising Association in the in the Media Monks Cafe. So we did try to do our part. But out of the 73 speakers at Khan, only two were from China, from Alibaba and Tencent. I can go on and on about the non-China representation, which I think is a pity, which I think uh, we should be doing better as an industry in China. I was just curious to understand what the representation from Tencent and Alibaba was all about. I wonder if they were sponsors of of the show and and did you get to listen in to what they were talking about? Yeah, they gave a talk. To be honest, I didn't go to those. There's too much to go to. You can't even you can't even participate all of them. <laughs> so that's it's also just so overwhelming. And I had a lot of meetings going on at the same time. I did speak with Tencent um, and a number of the people there too, and they they were talking a bit about kind of the one their reemergence of the the economy, and they were looking at kind of the luxury sector in particular and what was happening because i guess the point i was trying to get to is if you cancel out the sponsorships because i uh and i'm assuming that they might have actually sponsored their uh their gig then you would have had zero out of the 73 talks where china um led robert so turning to you was this uh have you been to before uh is this your first time or have you been to Khan previously uh, no, I've been before. I've been uh, four times, but I'm lucky because I'm a journalist, so I don't have to win anything to go. Um, but this was the first time I've been since um, uh, since the pandemic. So I was there in 2019 when I was there last, and it seemed to be back. Like it's there were some years where there were lulls. Publicists took a bit of a pause one year, and so it kind of there was you know you've you've kind of gone through different times when it's been really you know buzzing and other times when it seemed a bit depressed but it seemed to be to be back this year anyway post-pandemic and what was your favorite highlight of the show and also the major disappointment can you think uh of some you know some things that you you enjoyed sure i mean yeah there's a I mean, definitely a highlight one one thing every year is every wednesday morning and that week during a can uh, IPG Interpublic Group holds what was used to be called the Women's Breakfast is now the Inclusion Breakfast. Um, but they're talking about gender and inclusion long before others were. And certainly when I was there in 2017, it had been going on a long time. But what's good is that it's kind of goes beyond the platitudes of, you know, what people should do, etc. And it always either inspires or challenges you or both when you're leaving. And um, it did that again this year, too. So there was um, Denai Guerrero, who's in The Walking Dead, which my son is making me watch now, which I which I really like. She's in Black Panther. She's also a playwright, um, Goodwill Ambassador. And anyways, just gave really incredible advice on you know getting past inaction on on DEI and so on. So that was definitely a highlight. The other thing that was interesting, and again, I'm not sure if entirely if it was a highlight too, but I went to TikTok because it was interesting. I wanted to see what the reception was there and it was packed there was so much brand interest in terms of you know what you know brands can do on the platform 
And it was interesting because they kind of gamified their presentation. They they had a Japanese creator who gave a quiz and would slip in details on brand uplift and things like that. Um, but it was interesting because it also came up the the topic came up about you know whether you know TikTok content could win a lion and should it be competing and that kind of thing. They were saying you know maybe next year or maybe you know soon. I mean I don't doubt that short form video should be a category, but while while can you know, they were billing it as the new creativity you couldn't help but see that a lot of it was remixing and repurposing, but that the stats on the awareness and the sales and audience were, were probably more impressive than the award-winning stuff. So it just kind of puts those two different types of work in complete contrast. So that was interesting, I'd say, kind of, you know, uh, to, to see. As far as uh, what was a disappointment, I echo uh, what Roger said about China. I would have liked to see more work awarded from China. I know we want to get into that, too. The other thing I felt was on the last um, day when the awards were given out, some of the campaigns were really great. And what I almost wanted to see was the people, like especially on the purpose-driven work, the people that were affected by it. Um, it would be nice to have them like show up as well, like maybe by video link on the stage or something like that so you could see it. But instead, you kind of have some of the agency people that looked a little divorced from the actual, you, you know, what the case study was that you just saw. So anyway... Can has always been a kind of, it used, I mean, traditionally was an agency party. Every every agency likes, would sponsor, have their own beach. They have the WPP beach and the IPG beach and all the different, different uh, locations. And then the platform started to come. And how maybe, Robert, you can answer this. What's the juxtaposition between the agencies and the partners? Are we seeing the transition of the agency business to become more partner-led and the agencies are still holding on to dear life to to be relevant in the industry? Or do you think that can show a, a good balance between platforms and agencies? There definitely is a balance. I think it was like it was different for me because, I mean, so one, I totally agree with what you said. For, for me as an observer, CAN is a microcosm of the industry and you see the state of the industry by seeing who's, you know, in the beach houses, et cetera. And it was the media agencies originally supplanting creative, and then it was the platforms coming in, et cetera. This year, I thought that there was more than other years. It was not that the tech platforms were overtaking the entire festival. It just seemed to me like there were two festivals going on that were kind of separate from each other. There was one section where there was like from Amazon, they called it Amazon Port, and then you can go to there to Google Beach. And then there's, you know, you have, uh, I think, you know, well, like I said, TikTok kind of was further down and you have Meta with a station, etc. And it just seemed to me that a section of Silicon Valley was sort of picked up from California and dropped down there. And w- people were walking by. You could hear them. Um, they sounded like they were just from California, generally grumbling about their coworkers and about you know work and what was going on during the day so it just seemed like just another day for you know working for the company and kind of going in between those places probably didn't go to the palais and then elsewhere around the palais where you kind of can see the work etc then and maybe some of the creative sessions you have the agencies at work but they the two really seem to be separate for me this year more so than other years. I don't know if you found that Roger. Yeah totally I think it's becoming more and more of a tech festival anyway and less and less of a creative. So I think tech and media, the platforms are are in a leading role. And I think TikTok, just by sheer presence and 
and attention it got is the big winner um, actually they had the most interesting talks the biggest performances the most stuff going on and I and also the most beautiful presence um, so I think TikTok did an amazing ByteDance slash TikTok did an amazing job in that regard. But yeah, it felt that the people actually going into the Palais that are actually uh, paying for the ticket are the creatives, uh, while the real uh, tech and media and platform business happens outside the actual festival in all those beaches around it. Um, so just hearing both of you speak, just two things that I just picked out. One is that I guess advertising companies don't have as much money as they used to have. So sponsoring can just seems like a very impossible task one two like when you have um, platforms and you mentioned creators as well uh, I would assume you know that just kind of gives you a sense of you know who's generating the content if it isn't the advertisers or the agencies that are generating the content then it's the it's a platform and their creators maybe can is really just a reflection of what's happening in the industry overall it it is it definitely is I mean there. There, I was actually surprised that we didn't see more kind of creator stuff. Like I said, there was that TikTok and then there would be others that would have them on stage and sessions and so on. But I thought there could be more. I mean, I still think that there's a real role for agencies and in, in everything just because they are the ones who figure out how to you know best apply the tools that the platforms bring in. And brands are still the ones turning to agencies for help on this and they kind of learn Agencies learn by doing it, figuring it out because they're tasked with it. And that's always kind of like the best, a lot of the good, you know, lessons come from that. So because they're the kind of the doers and appliers, I think that like that kind of part of it will always be there. But on the business side and pure money side, yeah, you're, there's a, there's a, there's been a shift for sure. Yeah, I, I think there's a huge room to make the festival more accessible for creatives uh, to bring back that creative spirit. Um, otherwise, it's going to end up being a CES. Uh, so it's just going to be a tech and media platform festival. So I think, but why is that? It's also because in the end, only the CCOs and ECDs uh, get to go. You know, if you're lucky, and otherwise it's only the other, the other C-suite that spends their time on yachts. But in the end, what we're celebrating there are is the work, right? And it's the creativity. And those people that have actually done this work should be there. And sure, there's a Young Lions and there's different initiatives. I get that. Uh, but I think there's a lot of space to bring more creative, more young talent, more... Not, you don't need to be director level to go there, which it is currently. It's, it's inaccessible, let's be honest, for, uh, for anyone that is not completely up the ranks. So I think that should, that should change first and then you will see more creativity coming back. Bryce, I don't know if we want to pick up on this, but that we mentioned um, earlier in the in the discussion, and this co question comes in later. But but I wonder if we want to unpackage why China did not have as strong a showing or representation, whether it was in the breakfasts or the keynotes or in just you know in in the numbers or in the awards as well. Uh, it's funny because I was talking to one. Um, CCO who was from China and he was saying it's it's kind of bizarre that like he looks actually at other creatives that he's had that have worked come and worked you know together with him in Shanghai they'll go off to another market and then they'll start winning awards like crazy and he's like is it you know what is it is it me is it kind of the um is it kind of <laughs> beginning to think is it kind of our environment etc so it's a mix of everything and for the longest time 
there's there's obviously there is a lost in translation factor, and that's I used to be kind of a big had take took issue with the number of judges from Asia generally that were you know on on the list, the number of jury members. You need kind of someone that's in the room that can say no, this is why it's a big deal. This is why you know commerce works this way in China, and this is why this is groundbreaking, etc. That really helps. But you also have the online judging. You have to get past that online part, and that's where it's kind of a little tricky. They've added now kind of a cultural context box to try to improve that part, but that's still, you know, it's still kind of a lot of stuff doesn't get past the online judging into the to the shortlist. So that's that's part of it. But also hearing from some people that that I discussed this with who were at agencies in China, and they did also say that there's um there's a bit of a difference too around kind of the maybe their clients in terms of the kind of positioning and, and the type of work, whether it's the, whether it's starting from a point of wanting to kind of really do something that kind of pushes the boundary, or if it's working with or starting with something that, you know, gets the job done, you know, to start with, and then maybe is changed later on. So variety of different reasons from what I've heard. And then, you know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you're in the market, all of you are in the market. So you're a better position maybe to, to talk to it than I am. I, I looked into it because obviously the argument of the jury representation is a, is a quick one for everyone to, let's say, let's blame the jury. <laughs> uh, it's, impro- it's improved though, actually. Well, it's there's 16 judges from China. That was more than I expected. So if there are 16 judges from China on the jury, then there is an argument to be made that that's not the reason. And also, if the creativity... I mean, there's other markets as well that are not native English-speaking markets that are performing way better. So can you make creativity in China that is understood universally? You know, Brazil is able to do it. Um, Other markets are able to do it. So then it's just a matter of, are we not submitting enough? That's also one metric to look at, of course, right? Like, So it's just the festival no longer popular or no longer top of mind for for agencies to submit or clients to submit. So uh, out of the total submissions, I, I ran some numbers, guys. It's 1.5% of all the submissions was from China. And we're talking about the second biggest ad market in the world. And only 1.5% of all the submissions to Cannes are from China. So you, you already lose by just not submitting, right? So it's... Uh, and out of that 1.5%, only 1% won. On average, uh, it's 3% of what gets submitted wins something. So not only did we submit, and we are meaning China uh, as a country, very little, but also what we submitted simply wasn't good enough. Um, so if you look at what win, what won, right, like the, the big one from, from ABI, Corona, Draftline submitted it, their internal agency. Uh, but then actually the creative work was done out of Colombia. Uh, David, the agency, did that. So it wasn't actually even, the, the, the creative concept wasn't even actually done in China. So that also just makes me sad. Um, that, and then the other cases were, what was it? It was Alibaba um, won a bronze and then the KFC won, which basically they took the, the pocket franchise that won already in 2019 and repurposed it into the metaverse, which was done very well and it, and it won and that's great. But we're talking literally three cases, four wins because the, the draft line Corona one one two, but it's minimal, right? Like New Zealand, tiny country takes what twenty one wins. So, how is it? Does New Zealand really? Is it just because the language advantage? Because New Zealand speaks English, or is there a bigger issue at play? I I always thought that 
you know, uh, and I don't know, I could be wrong, Bryce, um, you've been an agency head as well for, for many, many years, but I always thought that, you know, China award submission was always a scales game, and uh, you just wanted to get as much reach as possible. And getting as much reach as possible, you end up coming w- coming up with um, sometimes very generic communications um, so that you can hit as many consumers as possible with that single message. And I wonder if that's kind of the reason why, you know, Australia, New Zealand and uh, an ex, uh, a former CEO or former boss of mine would call, you know, Australia and New Zealand. And he's and he's English and he would call it party planning. And so he's like, as long as you put on a good show and everyone has a good time and they pop in a couple of beers, like it just makes you feel good. Right. And so doing that type of campaign work in China is always very difficult. But was that your experience as well, Bryce? I, I've been uh, an FE judge and a Tangrams judge. Now we got Robert on here. If I could generalize China's submissions, it is brilliant execution, terrible idea. I mean, it simply is that the work is just they, oh, we went out and talked, we went out and hired, we got Austin Lee to, to first kick off the campaign. And then we launched in 2,500 markets. And then we did this on social media. I mean, you look at it and go like, my goodness, that's a brilliant execution campaign. But the idea is shit. Those are Asia effectiveness awards, not Khan. So I can imagine when some of these campaigns end up in in uh, in in France, you know, in, in the global stage, they they just they have the same challenges that there's just no real strong ideas in them. And I always challenge that as being partly, you know, driven by the clients that they are much more focused, as you mentioned, Ali, much more focused on reach and effectiveness as a strength of the campaign. What were the, what were the, how many people do we reach? What was the uptick? What was the sales incentive? I'm probably talking like Roger's total life here at Media Monks in China, <laughs> but you know, um, but I don't know, Roger, you, I mean, you came from a creative background. Am I, am I right? Am I wrong? Uh, is there something that you could say is like overall the 1% submitted and the, the campaigns are just not there because the, the, the strength of creative ideas is not strong enough or is it something else? No, I, yeah, and I, I think the, what the market, the way of doing business in China, as we all know, is it's it's you know it's speed, it's agility, it's performance, it's you know does it move the needle fast um, because it's cutthroat because it's such a competitive market for in basically every category, right? So maybe there isn't the time and space. Well, that's what that's the argument a lot of people use. You know, we simply do not have the time to be the luxury to come up with these level of big ideas that really push the boundary creatively. But then if you take, if you take, for example, um, one of the, uh, one of the cases that won globally was uh, bring home the butt from Budweiser. Um, now I'm talking about ABI and Budweiser again anyway, but it's, I'm not promoting them. So the, uh, the case is the whole point of that case, if you've seen it, is that, you know, the World Cup announced that two days before the World Cup started, they couldn't sell beer anymore. They couldn't sell Budweiser anymore because of the government regulations. So therefore, they had to completely reinvent their whole uh, campaign. And that won, I think, a gold or Grand Prix. I don't know from the top of my head. 
But the the case was that it's basically done in such a short period of time. The campaign was done under a time pressure that even China's speed couldn't beat. So that basically removes the argument that we don't have time in China. So you can do lion winning work under short timelines. Now, is there a desire from clients to actually win these awards? That might be a bigger uh, question. Like to which extent is there value attached to it? I mean, winning a lion is, is career changing. Is it still in, in Europe and US for sure, uh, for both the client and the agency person behind it? Um, is it in China? Um, I do not know. That's a big question mark. Yeah, I, I've, I've won. I think I've won one or two. I don't, I don't know how many, but I think I won a couple and I've got shortlisted a number of times. It didn't change my career. <laughs> it didn't help at all. China, yeah. Anyway, Bryce. I've listened to a lot of uh, podcasts, uh, including the campaign ones and also other reviews about the Con Festival. And I, I think people said, like, if AI was mentioned one more time, uh, it was probably mentioned thousands and thousands of times and everybody had to talk about it. Um, Robert, uh, given the hype, was there any AI innovation standouts that amazed you or is it still just basically you know, market automation and chat GPT. I mean, I think when you look at the work, I, it, a lot of people were saying like the AI was not, you know, there in the work. It was there in the sessions. It was there in what everybody was talking about. You didn't see it as much in the work. And, the, and a lot of times the work that kind of talked about AI enabled work, they're just talking about research. Like it's just, it's really AI enabled us to find this and this. Well, you could you could have probably done that campaign still 10 years ago, but it just would have taken hard research to do. Um, so some of it is just they're throwing the AI word in there just to make it seem like they're, you know, applying the latest and greatest. But I don't know, there was some interesting discussion around AI and everyone that I've spoken to when I was there probably hates it because I keep pulling up the same example. But early in the week on Monday, Nick Law from Accenture Song gave a talk and he was talking about kind of the impact of AI on the work generally. And he kind of put up a bar chart where there's a certain amount of bad work that happens always. There's a higher amount of average work and then there's a little bit of really great work and then his once he flipped to kind of the impact that ai would have that amount of really bad work goes down because ai helps everyone get their work to a level of of okay and then when you look at the average work it was through the roof like just like you've never seen we'll have an explosion of very average work because it will grab What's already out there creates something that you know people have seen before, but works. It's still good. It's relevant. It probably hits the right touch points, the right you know, KPIs, time, place, everything like that. And then a little bit more of great work for those that maybe can apply it in the right way. But it's that explosion of average work that I thought was really interesting to look at in future years. And then it was amazing to me the number of agency people that I spoke to that said, you know, a lot of a lot of clients are actually they're they're probably fine with that. Um, they're probably okay because sometimes they just they just want work that'll do the job, and if this can be faster and cheaper, it'll be okay. So I'm just I think that part is interesting, and it's just that part that's kind of also scary. So I don't know is differentiation going to be become a bigger issue in uh, the AI creative enabled world or not? Sounds like they don't want to have a job in the future. I mean, if they're going to be okay with average, everyone's <laughs> right. just going to work themselves out of a job. Great. 
that conversation is a lot about AI generated content or AI GC, right? So just producing more content faster. And that basically will impact that if you look at it as a pyramid, as you're explaining it, right? The, the middle mediocre part will be most impacted by that. Um, and sure, and that, that will definitely change a lot in our industry, no doubt about it. But where I think uh, from a creativity point of view, where what is more interesting is the what I call AICX. So using AI for experience or customer experience or digital experience and, and using um, AI to basically do um, what we always imagined, so I, I, AI always imagined, instead of artificial intelligence. So basically using that to, to do more immersive, more interactive, more engaging experiences. And I think that the first case that kind of tr- wrote the, the, the bandwagon was Nike with Serena Williams. Um, they had a case never done evolving. I don't know if you've so- seen it, but won a Grand Prix in, in digital craft. Um, beautiful work. Um, and I think that is the kind of work that is using AI in an innovative way. And I can foresee that next year, a lot of the work will be this type of work um, rather than, oh, look at us. We have generated so much more content, so much faster and cheaper and, you know, uh, lost so many of our employees along the way. <laughs> so we won't really celebrate that, right? So we will celebrate those AI experience-led cases. And I think that's where there's a huge role uh, for agencies to play in that field as well. I'll post the Serena Williams link on, on the show notes. The ad, the campaign was uh, 17-year-old Serena co- competes against 40-plus-year-old Serena on in a tennis game, and they've actually created... Uh, all from all the statistics and everything and how that would play out uh it was incredible uh i also like the uh the cadbury one from india uh i thought that was a real uh, interesting that was done by ogilvy that was a that was a really interesting campaign and certainly uh, the future of what you'll see a lot more of in terms of using ai for like personalized experiences I think that's the the poster child for AI success too, or at least kind of in certainly in in Asia. That's the that's the campaign that's held up as kind of what you can do with AI, just in terms from a yeah, kind of increasing scale but creativity at scale type type campaign. And Robert, was there besides that one, and maybe potentially Serena Williams, was there any? Uh, a campaign from Asia Pacific that stood out for you that impressed you the most? Maybe it didn't win Grand Prix. It was uh, maybe got down the list. Um, but is there anything that impressed you the most uh, from the from the program? Uh, yeah, there were. I mean, there were a lot of great campaigns. There was. Uh, I did like the Glass Grand Prix winner, Knock Knock, from Chael, just in terms of its practicality. That was uh, one which created a real solution for people. Um, you know, who are in a domestic violence, violence situation to be able to kind of quickly notify police and, uh, and without, without speaking. Um, but the one I, the one that my heart's in that I really liked was from New Zealand, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the, uh, the last performance, uh, it was just a great melding of TV drama together with, you know, it was just, you know, bang on in terms of it fit with the, you know, the, the, the script, it fit with kind of the health and wellness uh, side, it was you know basically kind of the um, there was a murder mystery show, and every week somebody would get knocked off from it. Those who uh, who were woke up um, at the end just talked about why they didn't have life insurance and why it would be important. So 
it, but it just it was so well done. Roger, anything uh, from your side that you, you, you liked or more importantly, something that you saw that uh, that you could say, you know what, we could definitely do that in China? I, I think that's that is exactly a good question. Well, going back to China work not being understood. So I looked at the cases thinking, could this have been done in China and therefore also understood globally? And therefore, removing the argument that the jury doesn't get China. I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. Peridosha, the South American uh, ulama, let's say. Um, so they did this campaign where as soon as, I think it's Argentinian, right? So as soon as uh, Argentina won the, the, the World Cup, they, they basically sent everybody a message that their, that their delivery is on the way. And everybody, of course, assuming, well, I didn't order anything. Uh, but it wasn't their hamburger. Um, it was the World Cup. And I think that is directly linked to the actual plane that the players were on um, to go back uh, to Argentina. Um, so I think that is such a beautiful, simple, real-time, digital-enabled, everything that ticks the boxes in China. Now, only thing that China is missing is a World Cup playing soccer team. <laughs> but if putting that aside, uh, this could have totally worked in China if there was a team that, that would actually play the World Cup. But from a marketing or a campaign perspective, it would have totally been an awesome campaign in China. Um, so yeah, that one really stood out for me. Uh, Bryce Ping Pong World Cup, maybe. Yeah, uh, definitely that would help uh, to uh, to uh, to to raise the trophy of the uh, global <laughs> World Cup of Ping Pong uh, would be a would be a true honor for China um, if there was one. I was just going to ask in the context now. We, I mean, Roger mentioned that uh, you both mentioned that you know China was. It was kind of a no-show in the context of the awards, both, and then it was Alibaba and Tencent did did some sponsors. Do you think that that China needs to kind of it's kind of reinvent it from not from the awards side necessarily, but from the speaker side and to kind of reinvent itself as being talking about its innovation, about what it's doing on social commerce, what things that people could learn from from China, and then kind of put that into a global lens. I mean, for the most part, that's what we do a lot on this podcast. And certainly I do as, you know, and on the academic side is trying to help people to better understand what things about China could be relevant from a tech or uh, industry perspective. I would just be interested to share your thoughts on that. Uh, Roger, what do you think? Is, that, is there a potential for that? Or do you think nobody gives a rat's ass about China? I think people give, I, think, I do think people give a shit about China if it's interesting and innovative and creative and so on. I'm more concerned about the other way around, China not giving a shit about Ken Lyons. Uh, so I think the, the and that, is, that, is, that, that would be a pity because I do think that the whole decoupling, and I don't want to turn this into a, a macroeconomic uh, discussion, but it is a sign of the times, right? It is uh, China going its own way. But I think especially when it comes to our industry, which is all about creativity and very often universal creativity that can inspire people no matter where you're from, um, I do think that there should be more exchange. There should be uh, a lot more engagement um, between, let's say, China and the rest. So I think that for we should basically rally the industry together and bring much more people to, to Can Lions, submit a lot more work, maybe come together as an industry uh, rather than as individual agencies or as individual brands. 
because I think a lot of people have to share the same sentiment. But if we uh, stand alone, it might not happen. But perhaps um, if the, the China Advertising Association or Modern Advertising or Campaign Asia, if <laughs> Robert, <laughs> comes together and really brings, uh, as a media, you know, brings the industry more close to what's happening in the rest of the world, I think that only will for the better uh, of both sides. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's actually is that is a role that we're trying to play just in terms of having more dialogue between um, you know, China and the, the rest of Asia or China and internationally, you know, both ways, um, you know, from kind of a Chinese brands going abroad perspective and also international brands coming, uh, brands coming into China. Um, it, I, I do notice a big difference in terms of interest level in the past before the, you know, ge geopolitical, you know, decoupling, you know, happened as you call it. I think that before when China was seen as a big market for, Western brands to come in, there was far more interest at Cannes, even about kind of how stuff was marketed. Uh, whereas now there was a lot less considering that um, a lot of people see the, you know, see, see the market differently, see it separately. And I think that's really unfortunate. So just, you know, I'd echo exactly what, what Roger said. I mean, there's still so much to learn from the marketing um, and the, the technology and the applications and commerce that are happening. I only hear it from the agency CEOs who are still very interested in what's happening in China, what is being done, but I'm not seeing it on kind of a mass level or as much on a brand level as before. And that's, that's too bad. So I think, yeah, it probably needs, you know, kind of, it needs work and we need kind of more cross, uh, you know, cross industry and border connections. I was just going to ask Roger, how do you motivate young people today, uh, especially in the creative business, to look forward to, you know, being awarded for great work? Um, I guess there's two parts of the question. One is how valuable a net net do you think Han is for you as a as a managing director, major agency? Um, and how do you keep your creatives uh, inspired and hungry for for winning? Yeah, I mean, I think I was just talking about uh, the World Cup, and now in a different context, it's it's which which league do you want to play, right? So it's if you're if you're working in this industry and you're spending eight, ten, twelve, if you're unlucky, fourteen hours a day grinding away, right? If you're in this, end up in this working in this industry anyway, you want to be the best. At least that's what I hope to inspiring people we want to be the best right otherwise why bother so and what is the best that's joining the world cup and the world cup is can lions in our industry there's just no doubt about it so i think there is sure there's a lot of other industry festivals and sure they have their 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 place but i don't think anything can match uh, winning a winning a grand prix um, you know in Cannes. so i think that is a question to ask to to creative teams in china is you know, you you're, you you want to set your career. You want to you want to be great. Can you be great on a world stage? You know, so I think that's a level of ambition and perspective. But as long as they haven't been there and seen it and been involved and actually opened their eyes, it might stay as a as a faraway world, right? So, and to be very frank, for me, as I said, you guys have never been there. It was my first time. You know, Robert has only been there four times. There should be so many more young creative talent from China going there because that's the only way to inspire them. You know, if you've never att attended a World Cup match, you know, then why are you playing soccer? 
Let's do the A-B test. Are we ready for the A-B test? I'm going to throw two words at um, both our guests over here today. I'm probably going to start with Rob uh, or Robert, uh, and then um, and then whatever comes first to mind, um, just answer. Your, you're, you're more than welcome to explain which of the two words you prefer, you know, and why, et cetera, et cetera. Robert, starting with you, creativity or effectiveness? Creativity is just so much more fun. Effectiveness is great, but I love creativity. Uh, Roger, parties or keynotes and breakfasts? <laughs> uh, keynotes and breakfast. I'm, I was there to be inspired. So, yes. Robert, TikTok or Google? TikTok, just because of the interesting you know, stuff I heard there. I didn't have that much uh, interaction with Google. But if you're asking which one I use more, it's Google. It was more about the interaction and the quality of uh, the representation um, at Cannes, but good. Roger, creators or creatives? Creators, for sure. We need, we need makers in our industry. Uh, Robert, agency or platform? Agency. I'll, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for uh, agency. I, I mean, like I said, uh, agencies are the doers. They're the ones that take what, take what the platforms do and you know, apply them, make things work, make things interesting. Uh, Roger, young lions or old lions? Yeah, big, big topic around ageism. Um, any lions, no, no old or young. It shouldn't be about age. Um, Robert, uh, China or India? India one, India one more, uh, but I'm not going to choose between the two countries. You can't. It's a very tough place. Roger, do you want to try to answer that question instead? Well, uh, <laughs> obvious for me, obviously, China. Excellent. Okay, the next one's for you as well, Roger. Uh, AI or humanity? Can I say both? No. So uh, I'm, I'm so excited about AI. I'm completely, you know, a self-proclaimed AI expert now, as, as everyone else on LinkedIn. So, yes, AI. Robert, Serena at 17 or Serena at 40? Serena at 40. Um, just be, it's, it's odd because I think just at that age, you are, you know, you feel like you're being under pressure, feel like you're being challenged. Uh, to me, it's more interesting about kind of what you, you know, what you you do to decide the next phase of what you want to do. I think it's an interesting point. Uh, Roger, last one. Uh, average, this one's an easy one as well. So average or awesome? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> awesome, of course. <laughs> I, was out of, I, I, I was out of the A and B test. So like, <laughs> uh, we talked about average quite a lot. Um, but okay, excellent. Thank you, guys. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, uh, Roger and Robert. Very interesting insights uh, shared with us with Ken. We'll definitely, hopefully, have you on next year uh, and do another recap just like this. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Really thank appreciate you. it. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on today's episode. Join us in a few weeks for another exciting show. And to all our listeners, until then, have a great day. Thank you.